When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know in the day in business and markets. I'm Kyle Rodder. It's great to have your company as we wrap up the day here. And let's look at what the market did up by 0.65% by the end of the day's trade. So it's really a nice one-way trade there for the first two hours of the session. Flatline for the most part of the back end of the day. Nevertheless, held on to the majority of the gains and not such a bad thing considering that we were expecting a decline at the open, at least that's what was being implied in SPY futures. So let's get across some of the news. Actually, sorry, before I do, get across some of the areas of the market that were moving things today. And miners actually performing reasonably well despite continued uncertainty and volatility around the outlook for China. But we saw a lift in iron ore prices as they continue to defy gravity, it would seem. And as you can see, their uh, strength across the board when it comes to those big miners and the energy names as well. The noteworthy one there, Fortescue Metals, back above $21 per share, $21.13 to be exact, and 3.35% higher. But where was the weakness? Well, it was in tech. There's a few reasons for that. And WiseTech Global is probably the biggest one, down 19.26% after its results. We'll pick those apart shortly, but it's back down to $69.78 a share. It was at 88 bucks at different stages to start this week, or perhaps really at the back end of last week. Uh, but the weakness in tech across the board, Block Technology One and Altium, all lower for the day. But let's get across some of the results now. And Woolworths has reported a near 5% rise in full year profit to $1.6 billion, helped by elevated shelf prices on the back of rising inflation and increasing normalization of customer habits. The result was below analyst estimates, the impacts of inflation and moderating consumer demand as reasons for more careful customer demand, sorry, more careful customer demand and softer profitability. CEO Brad Banducci said the business expects inflation to ease in the year ahead but remain elevated in some package categories. The company will pay out a 58 cent final dividend that's up 9.4% from a year earlier. And then you can see that's how the shares traded today, finished higher by 3.81% to $37.56 per share. Also reporting today, Woodside Energy and its first half net profit rose some 6% to $1.9 billion, a miss on market forecast, but underpinned by resilient LNG prices and upbeat production levels following full contribution from BHP Group's petroleum assets, oil and natural gas prices, which soared to record highs last year in the wake of Russia-Ukraine, of the Russia-Ukraine war, lost momentum in the first half, but remained above the long-term average price levels. Shareholders will receive an interim dividend of 80 cents per share, short of consensus estimates of 86 cents per share. The company continued to progress work at its major facilities with the $12 billion Scarborough liquefied natural gas project, now 38% complete with first cargo shipments targeted for 2026. 
The result comes as Woodside and Chevron are locked in a dispute over pay and job security with about 700 workers at four facilities in Australia. These plants produce more than a tenth of the world's liquefied natural gas. Okay, go to Domino's Pizza now. It sliced its dividend by 30% as full year net profit slid a 60% to $67 million due to weaker orders, but has flagged an improvement in earnings in the year ahead. Domino's saying margins and earnings were hurt by the decision to raise prices in order to protect it against extraordinary inflation, which led to fewer meals sold. Inflation we took, particularly in Europe, was uh, was incredibly painful. And, and uh, yeah, we didn't handle it as well as we could have. But, you know, one year later, we've, uh, we, especially in Europe and Australia and New Zealand, we're enjoying records, we're enjoying strong sales. And I think shareholders were looking for that, is that, um, you know, building it first with the customer, the customer rejected some of our early ways that we passed through inflation and uh, and for example with our delivery service fee which we've now unwound um, but now they're enjoying the stability in our our pricing and the new products that we're launching um, and our the area that suffered the most was delivery and delivery is really rebounding quite strongly Okay, and you can see there Domino's share price surging today up 11.14%. So a cracking result, I guess you could say. All right, IDP Education shares were in focus too, eyeing the best day in a year after the company reported record revenues in FY23 and said that it will pay out a larger than expected dividend for the full year. Revenues came in line with expectations at $982 million with profits rising 45% to $148.5 million. The business says the result was driven by strong student placement volumes, growing 53%, primarily driven by the Australian market. The company provided little guidance and did not comment on the impact of Canada's decision to end the company's effective monopoly for English language tests. IDP will pay a dividend of 20 cents per share, taking the full year dividend to 41 cents. Also in the energy space today, Santos has reported a 32% fall in first half net profit, on the back of lower average price of LNG and a decline in production and sales volumes across its portfolio, underlying profit, which strips out some one-off items, fell 37% to just over 800 million US dollars. Still, shareholders will get an interim dividend of 8.7 US cents a share, up 14% on the previous corresponding period, with the company retaining its annual production guidance. On its troubled Barossa gas field project, where drilling operations remain suspended, the company says the project is still on target to start production in the first half of 2025 and will be within current cost guidance. Shares today finishing down a fraction by 0.51% and trading at seven or closed at $7.74. And in some other news now, we spoke about WiseTech Global. Its shares were take or did take a significant hit off by more than 19% by the end of trade as it missed market estimates. The company raised dividends after posting a 9% jump in profit to over $200 million. Revenue was up 29% to almost $820 million. The company declared a fully frank dividend of 8.4 cents, up 31% from a year earlier, but was very disappointing in terms of the guidance, missed considerably in fact. So that's why the share price fell there. In other news, corporate travel's net profit rose well, was $77.6 million versus $3.1 million. Revenue was up 73% to over $650 million. The company declared a final dividend of 22 cents per share and expects to deliver a record earnings record earnings in FY24. And meanwhile, and last but not least, National Storage Reit posted underlying earnings of over $140 million, up 
Revenue was up 18% at $330 million. Net profit was down. And here are how those shares performed. As we said before, WiseTech taking an absolute bath. Corporate travel also lower. National storage, however, edging up, finishing the day's trade at $2.27. Well, the stock of the day was Domino's, one of my personal favorites, I have to say. So here's what our guest had to say about the company. hear anything that alarmed me so that was good but you know in particular that answer that he gave you around you know it was a really good question you asked about the margin thing and i didn't really think the answer his answer really answered the question yeah all i got was um you know our competitors are now starting to do it but again to my point before what's the long-term strategy this is all short-term stuff so good interview from you but yeah yeah, it doesn't change but if you can order good pizza or bad pizza and it gets delivered, which would you rather order? I think Henry's meant to say that, uh, well, he prefers perhaps a more premium type of pizza, but he's a man of, uh, well, very fine taste, of course, as we know, but um, maybe not so enthusiastic on the stock there, despite the fact that it was up 11% today. But maybe we'll get a view on that now from my guest for the COB, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool is standing by. Scott, uh, thanks for jumping on today. It's really great to see you, of course, in this very busy time of the year. Um, Domino's Pizza, we'll start there. It was our stock of the day. Um, Do you have much of a view on the company? Because it really seems to be more of a relief rally than anything else that, well, at least the last 12 months aren't going to be, well, are unlikely to be replicated in the next 12 months. Yeah, Kyle, good day. I do have a view, mate, because I own the shares. Let me Ah. disclose that up front. Uh, so I was, I was a pretty happy shareholder today, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, it's, it's funny, you know, when a market's really on tenterhooks, and we've seen, uh, we've talked about retail a couple of times, mate, in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to go back there because, it, yeah, the numbers were terrible and we kind of expected them to be terrible. What the market loved was the first six or seven weeks of this new financial year. We've actually seen a really nice uptick in same store sales, up more than 6.5%. And so you kind of, What's really important for all investors to be thinking about whenever you think about anything that's related to discretionary spending at all is what the last two years, two and a bit years have looked like. You know, Domino's came off a remarkably strong year because we're all locked at home. So what did we do? We ordered pizza. Uh, When we go out again with the cafes and restaurants, ordered less pizza. No surprise there, right? And so that's kind of known by everybody. But then it comes down to, okay, well, how do you then model that? What do you assume is happening or not happening? How, what allowance do you make for that versus business as usual? And I think when the market's kind of freaking out about that, you do see share prices drop because no one's really sure. And I think it was, you know, the numbers were really ugly. Don Major was pretty clear about what the company had got wrong. But it was that combination of some job cuts, which the market always likes, a bit macabre, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also um, that that return to same store sales growth and pretty strong growth too. Now it's only six or seven weeks, so take it, you know, with with, uh, with as much salt as it needs to be. But I think to the sense the market was kind of saying, gee, this could get worse. Some green shoots. We haven't used that phrase for a little while. Uh, in Domino's numbers, we saw the same, by the way, in Adore Beauty, which was out today. I own shares in them as well, sorry. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the kind of both those businesses getting back into growth and kind of having the same style of, of, of kind of, you know, last year, this year story of, you know, it was tough last year because the year before was great. This year, it seems both are getting back into growth. Now, I don't want to draw too long a bow or or make too strong a point here because they could fall off a cliff as soon as uh, rates keep biting, as soon as inflation keeps going up, as soon as the economy continues to cool. But it is worth noting that there is a really significant um, potential 
for these businesses to be under undervalued, underappreciated right now. Again, I own the shares, so maybe I would say that. I've owned them for a long time, though, by the way. Uh, so I've, I've been through the highs and lows. Mm. Uh, we'll see what happens next. Yeah, I want to ask a question just in terms of the strategy too, because mm. I, I'm a, a pretty, uh, well, when I'm um, feeling a little bit more uh, loose with my diet, perhaps pretty an, an avid yes. uh, consumer of Domino's pizza, uh, especially when, you know, obviously things got a little bit expensive uh, just everywhere over the last sort of 12 months or so. And it seemed to me that, yeah, the price yeah. of rose, but they didn't rise quite as much. They still sort of, uh, I suppose, price themselves at a pre- pretty reasonable price point. And my assumption was always that they were trying to protect brand equity, perhaps more than their margins. And maybe the big bet now is that effectively costs start to, to moderate a little bit and margins can sort of stabilise. I mean, is that kind of the big question about the valuation for Domino's going forward here is that if, you know, basically costs can start to come down, they don't have to sort of obviously be put into this invidious position of, you know, potentially having to raise prices on an effectively discount product. <laughs> Yeah, mate, you've nailed it. And this is exactly the question for Domino's and for its shareholders is, you know, is Domino's a relative purchase or an absolute purchase? And what I mean by that is if everything else goes up 10%, Domino's goes up 10% as well, it's still, you know, on a relative basis, very affordable, very, you know, a, a very easy meal, particularly for a family, get delivered, nice and simple. We've had plenty at our place too, don't worry about that. Um, or is it an absolute price, i.e. under five, under seven, under 10, under 12, where those prices creep up, you start to say, well, I'm not going to pay that much for, for Domino's. It's kind of one of those, you bit like petrol or, uh, dare I say, the, the price of a, a schooner of beer. I mean, whenever you started drinking, you kind of remember what the what the beer price was. When you started driving, you remember what you used to pay for petrol. And everything kind of feels expensive relative to that. So if it is an absolute price, i.e. over a certain price, I'm not going to buy Domino's. I'll, I'll either get the more expensive stuff or give it a miss altogether. Then Domino's is in a world of pain. If they can justify a relative price, yeah, we're more expensive, but hey, cheaper than going out, cheaper than a cafe, cheaper than more expensive pizza, then on a relative basis, and again, remember wages are increasing, not fast enough, but they're going up, um, there is some opportunity there. How discretionary is it overall? Who's eating it? Are they down? Are trading down to save a few bob or are they cutting it out to save a few bob? Uh, the way the customer groups change over time really will tell in the medium term, mate, what the future looks like. I've got to say in the long term, you know, a long-term investor, I'm looking out, I don't know, enough years, how many years you want to, you want to pick, um, five years and saying, well, isn't Domino's a bigger business than today in more countries, in more with more stores, with more sales? I, I think, again, anything's possible, but I think the answer is a pretty clear yes to my mind. If that's true, then I don't think you have to imagine too much to be buying at today's price. And that's been my, my fundamental approach the whole way through is not I'm buying because I think in three months time, this will change or six or 12 months. But I think this is a high quality business run well with some mistakes. And they've, they've absolutely admitted that. Um, but they corrected quickly. That's the other thing a lot of businesses don't do is they stick their heads in the sand. Um, so, you know, again, I, I'm a fan of Domino's. I'm a fan of the management. Don't mind the pizzas, as I said. But I think that the, the business opportunity is still ahead of it. And I think to the extent it can capitalize on that, it'll do pretty well. All right, so that's Domino's there. Let's let's keep um, moving on to some of the other results today. Uh, Woolworths was one that, um, well, I mean, it was yeah. sort of a tale of two supermarkets uh, potentially in the last 24 hours because uh, from what I saw, there, yeah. there was a similar set of results effectively there when it came to Coles and Woolworths. One fell, one rose. Again, I wouldn't want it to try and make too much sense to perhaps the madness of crowds, but what did you what did you <laughs> yeah. think of the, the, the Woolworths result there? Because again, I get to think the stock up 4% by the end of the day's trade. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the madness of crowds, mate, because I, I thought the same. I thought, wow, that's a good jump for Woolies. I better check. Turns out it fell in the last couple of days on the back of the Coles result. Yeah. And so the share price is now back to where it was on Monday. <laughs> so, so on one level, we're like, okay, well, 
you know, it gave a bit up yesterday, got it back today. Mm. Today's number isn't so much about the result, but I think, frankly, what investors feared based on the Coles number. So, um, you know, good news for all these shareholders, good news for the company. It managed to justify investors' hopes of, of 48 hours earlier. Um, just the last 24 was it was a tougher ride because of that Coles result. Sales up a reasonably similar amount to Coles, which is interesting, mate, for all these. So you've kind of got this interesting uh, below-the-line story, you know, gross margins, uh, cost doing business, Woolies profit up meaningfully because of the removal of those one-off COVID costs. And again, a broken record, mate, I'm going to be for the rest of this earnings season. You've got to really look through those COVID numbers and say, what is the underlying earnings power? What is the underlying growth? Not the one-off rises or falls because of what changed year on year, as we saw with Domino's, as we're seeing with Woolies. Um, Woolies not obviously not on a volume line, although they did pretty well to get those mid-single-digit growth numbers, given a lot of us did actually buy more from the supermarkets while we couldn't eat out. So that's probably a positive, but the removal of those one-off COVID costs make the growth look really impressive at 15% at a profit line. Uh, but the reality is that that's, again, it's not going to be repeated. Uh, the good news is the cost came back out, so shells should be pretty happy with that. Good cost control from Woolies. They are one of the higher quality businesses on the market, in my view, in terms of the way they're run, um, the brand presence and, and the customer loyalty. So th they did a really nice job of making sure they kind of cut the fat and got back to business as usual. Uh, pr pretty good set of sales results. Uh, still an inflation challenge in terms of input costs. We know that. Um, but getting it done in a way that, unfortunately, for coal shareholders, they couldn't do yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, what about IDP education? We, we often mm. sort of bemoan the fact that there is a, a lack of, you know, true good quality businesses on the on the ASX that, you know, aren't effectively, you know, obviously banks and miners, what have you. And, I mean, for a little while, mm. uh, IDP education was identified as one as being, well, let's feel good about that company because it's it's selling a product that seems to be, you know, genuinely good and, and doing it in a, in a fairly effective way. Been a tough six months. I guess we're all asking whether we mm -hmm. sort of have reached an inflection point here potentially. I don't know if you own the stock or take an interest in it, but did you take much away from yeah. those IDP numbers? Yeah, this is one I don't own, so I can talk about well with, uh, without, without concerns about bias. Uh, I, I think the IDP number result was pretty good. The growth was was pretty good. Uh, as you mentioned in the intro, mate, they didn't talk about the Canadian uh, change of rules there. I think that is, it, it's tough being an investor, right? And, and when you look at these sort of businesses, you love the fact they're growing. Uh, but I'm always reminded of the old Jeff Bezos line from Amazon, your margin's my opportunity. It's not quite that for IDP, but when you've got a monopoly or when you've got a saturation, uh, think of Telstra in the old days when it was 100% of the telco market. It was only downside from there. Now, I'm not saying that for IDP at all. What I am saying, though, is it is reliant to some degree on the contracts it has, the quality of the brand of testing that it does, and the way governments and other institutions are prepared to recommend, use, and support IDP. Now, if that continues, then this is a great business because it's super scalable. The growth they get is, it can be really, really impressive, and the sky can be the limit. The flip side, of course, is like in Canada – they say, well, anyone can do this now, or yeah, yours isn't that much more special than anybody else's. Now, shells will, will absolutely be yelling right now saying, yeah, it's different for this, different for that. I'm not suggesting uh, objectively even that it's necessarily better or worse. What I'm saying is subjectively, based on the government, the, the institution, the people taking the test, once it becomes more commoditized as an offering, then that advantage disappears really, really quickly. And so that's kind of been my concern on IDP. I'm not entirely sure I have a very strong handle on why they couldn't possibly be uh, not if not beaten necessarily. Again, they don't have to lose anything. I would have to lose to a competitor, but losing some of the market to a competitor is enough to really undermine some of that operating leverage. So I like the business. I want it to succeed, as you say. Um, too few global players on the ASX, and this is the one that's getting it done. But you've just got to ask yourself, if you're not sure exactly why, it'll be able to withstand potential competition 
writ large, then be prepared for a range of outcomes that may include at some point a maturing or simply a, an opening of competition. Um, it's not cheap enough for me at the moment, mate. It's not a recommendation of mine, but um, really great to see the numbers and and it couldn't we couldn't have asked for more in that growth number presented today. Yeah, they, they keep talking about that moat, but one thing sits, um, well, it's all good and well until someone builds a bridge, right? So um, we'll see if they can it really is. manage to sustain it. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I get the sense this uh, isn't perhaps up your alley, but I have to ask about it because it was the biggest um, mover of the day. Uh, Wise Tech down 20%. Yeah. I mean, I've been yeah. watching it for the last three or four months. It's a surge, seems to be a bit of a thematic and momentum mm-hmm. trade. Speculators always seem to drive things at the margins, of course, but we're off 20%, um, disappointing guidance. I mean, is there anything that you yeah. took away from it other than, you know, obviously, well, you just got to make sure you're sober before trying to chase rallies. <laughs> I love that. Mate, that, you, you probably answered the question for me. I do keep an eye on it, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really impressive business. And this mm. is one of those situations, a little bit like corporate travel. I own shares in that, by the way. And, um, you know, when you do great but not quite great enough, uh, the market really takes the long handle to you. And that's this, it's a the companies are responsible to some degree for, for creating expectations. On the other hand, you can't blame if the market gets carried away. I don't know what more they could have done. You know, uh, revenue up 30%, EBITDA up 20%, NPAD up 30%. And you can't say, okay, well, maybe it's maybe it's the outlook. Then you look at the outlook numbers and they're saying, well, hang on, um, we're expecting 27 to 34% growth in revenue, EBITDA growth of between 8 and 27%. I mean, these are really, really impressive numbers. Not as much as the market expected, as you say, which is uh, what hurt corporate travel and a couple of others today. But you kind of got to ask yourself, man. You know, you know. To, to, speaking of being sober, you know, what were people expecting, and what would you put a effectively? If you're saying that the price is now twenty percent lower because it wasn't more than a twenty seven percent profit growth projection, um, you know, you ask yourself, what were they expecting? What were they hoping for? And how reasonable was that? Now, again, it's not the company's fault. Investors are entitled to do whatever they want. If you're a shareholder, you probably got caught up with the good news and and maybe hoped. That the market was right. Sometimes you get a bit of a shock, like today uh, with Wise Tech. Um, I don't know, a, a great result. I, you know, as a as a business execution, this is as good as you could expect. Um, the growth in into the future, I think, is very very reasonable. Of course, more is better. But I'll tell you what, if you're disappointed with a profit growth of somewhere between eighteen and twenty seven percent, you're a hard marker. You probably paid too much for the shares yesterday and the day before. And as you say, mate, it's been running up for a while. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't know what more the market really should have expected. I think there was a lot of hubris in the share price. Yeah, definitely. It uh, does remind me of the sort of trolls during that sort of everything bubble we had at the start of the pandemic. You know, why did so and so stock rise thirty percent yesterday? Oh, of course, the the future value of their cash flows jumped by that much in uh, in that time. You know, so um, it's uh, it's one of those things. But um, anyway, Scott, uh, thanks for jumping on and um, running us through what has been a big day in uh, corporate results. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. Scott Phillips here from Motley Four. Look forward to it. Thanks, Carl. Thanks. Okay, uh, let's get across the leaders and laggards now, and uh, we'll just get a sense of what has been moving today. And well, we spoke about WiseTech um, being one big name to move. It was um, down by uh, 20%, which we'll look at in a second. Uh, but the big uh, movers to the upside, Domino's and IDP Education, uh, really um, leading the market. They're up 11 and 10% respectively. Uh, Iris bouncing back after a horror couple of days, maybe. Someone somewhere out there finding value and a silver lining in those results that we received. I think it was on Monday now. Um, let's go to the laggards, shall we, very quickly. And we just spoke about Wise Tech off by almost 20%. Uh, Alika Resources also struggling. Nanasonics, another uh, in the doldrums, down 9%. Magellan off by 8% too. And corporate travel, we were just talking about that um, very briefly with uh, Scott as well, um, off by 6.4%. 
All right, quick recap, or actually I should say preview of what we've got coming up. Oh, actually, sorry, almost skipped the small caps there. We'll, we'll quickly peruse those um, and see if there are any major movers in the wall, uh, small cap space. 4D uh, memory is up 96%. So I'm gonna Google this right now because I don't keep too uh, close tabs on the small cap space. Uh, but we'll see what that could potentially be um, behind that move because that's a, a doubling in, in, your, in your investment if you've just, um, uh, if you are a holder of it. And uh, Semiconductor Storage Company has released better than expected analysis results. So there you go, up, uh, well, a whopping 96% today. So if you are interested in that, give it a Google. I'm just. Uh, Funnily enough, jumping on the Motley Fool, uh, no less uh, now to, to get across that information. But uh, there you go, 40, uh, 4D's me uh, memory, 40S, up by, well, 96, almost 97%. Uh, laggards in the small cap space, there you go. Um, a few fairly significant falls, I suppose you could say. Always big moves in the small cap space. Okay, now let's just take a very quick look at what's coming up this evening. Earnings, NVIDIA, going to be huge. Uh, I say this tongue-in-cheek, of course, but can it replica replicate last quarter's results with a 30% post-market rally. I dare say that's probably unlikely, but it's turned into a major macro risk with so many different threads to pull from that results, just not uh, that uh, applicable to its uh, earnings, but the semiconductor industry, uh, US-China geo, US geopolitics, geostrategy, um, just in terms of the global growth pulse, it's all gonna be there, the AI theme as well. Um, we'll also get some global flash, PMIs, new US new home sales as well uh, will be interesting. And tomorrow, a quick glance at what we've got coming up. Qantas South 32, Domain, Whitehaven, LaVisa, all reporting amongst, well, a handful of others, it has to be said, another Super Thursday. XDiv, also Endeavor, and JB Hi-Fi. So keep an eye on those two companies if you do own them. And uh, well, they're perhaps perplexed by any kind of sell-off that you do see tomorrow. But it's been an absolute uh, exhausting day, it has to be said. Very, very busy indeed. So we'll wrap it up there, but we had a lot of great content. Uh, so make sure if you want to catch up on everything, check out our website and app. In the meantime, rest up, have a great night, and we will see you again tomorrow morning.